For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna man up and you're gonna get out there and you're gonna play, like I said, you're gonna play with the big dogs, you gotta get off the porch. If, and if you can't hand hack it, then you might as well just lay around in your room like a little girl. You know, stay in your mom's basement and play video games because you don't belong in the world. But that's not what people need. It's not good for you. It's not healthy to do that. Like that's that's but that's why Jordan Peterson always says, like, Jordan Peterson has never said anything that I've heard that I couldn't like like detransition and translate into something my dad taught me. Mm-hmm. Right. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Returning to the show for the fourth, fifth. Six, I don't know, maybe like 20th time. We we talk all the time, man. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Tommy Sammons, how you doing, dude? What's up, man? Uh nothing. Um I I, I was listening to you on uh who is it, Justin Campbell's podcast the other day. And um <laughs> I remember you saying, Oh yeah, being off Twitter, I get so much more shit done. And I'm like, I, I just got a seven-day suspension and I I have this alt and I'm not as compelled to go on it because I don't have as many followers on this one. So mm. I completely empathize with you. Yeah. I just, I, I have no desire to get back on social media. I mean, I, I have other social media. I just don't use it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, all right, like whatever. I jump on Facebook like once in a while, just to like read what some people are saying, but I don't even comment or anything. I just, you know, yeah, yeah, Facebook's a lot less of a battleground than Twitter. You go on Twitter and you're kind of expecting to get daggers from every single direction. You're, and you're expecting to, you know, return some as well. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I wasted a lot of time on Twitter and I was just like, I'm, I got kicked off and I was, I was just kind of, I was already kind of over it. You know, all right, whatever. If they reinstate my account, they reinstate my account. And then I just never even, I don't even look. I, I'll look maybe like once a month or something and just be like, Hey, what's going on on Twitter? You know, and it'll tell me, Oh, your account's still suspended. I'm like, okay, fine. And I'll <laughs> scroll through and read a couple of things. And then that's that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of keep going on about the day. Uh, the one thing you and I always shoot the shit about. And the one thing that I just drives me nuts and you're a lot more mature and wiser than I am is uh, the pit bull craze because um, the, the, the pit bull faggots were out in uh, full force over the last couple of weeks because Matt Walsh put out a tweet saying something to the degree 
of um, we should kill all the pit bulls. And then, you know, a lot of these daily wire douchebags say the same thing. And it's like, we're, we're literally talking about 55 deaths a year that not even all come from dogs. Is this really the hill you're going to die on? I mean, I just, I just heard Crowder's testimony on Timcast and I think we should kill all the daily wires. <laughs> I Fair assessment, completely fair assessment, but, <laughs> but you know what? They, they may think that you're kind of implying, um, I don't want to put this. I'm closing the oven door. If you follow my, uh, if you follow my saying here. Oh man, I didn't even <laughs> think about that. If, if you say kill all daily wire, that that has some pretty heavy. I was just, I was just imagining, I was just imagining, you know, Matt Walsh on a stake, and as the fires get lit, he's like, "But what is a woman?" <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, you know what? Not, I, you know, it's it's kind of like that article I sent you the other day, though. Like, what, what, what breed? Like you say pit bull, but what breed like pit bull is shorthand. Like what breed do you want to get, do away with? Do you want to do with away with the American bulldog, the Staffordshire, the bull terrier, the American pit bull terrier, like which breed, like tell me which one you don't like. Cause I don't know. I don't know which one you don't like. Right. Well, even when you look at all of these death certificates or like uh, not, I don't even want to say the death certificates. They all say COVID. Those. Right. But um, when you look at like the dog attack, mauled by a dog died yeah. with COVID. <laughs> yeah. Shark attack died by COVID. Um, when you look at all the uh, breakdowns of like dog bites and dog fatalities, they'll say pit bull. But as you just said, there's all these different breeds. So right. they never narrow it down. Right. They never tell you which breed it is. And they never tell you another thing that usually doesn't come out until everybody stopped talking about it is, is how the dog was treated and abused right. for four or five years, you know? Mm. And then like, I, I read a story a while back and it was this lady who had this, had adopted this dog. He was, it was a five-year-old uh, American pit bull terrier. And she adopted him um, after he had already been with one home. And then these people found him on the street, nursed him back to health. And this lady adopts him. So he's five years old and her, she started dating this guy and this dude gets, they get in an argument and he starts going batshit crazy, screaming at her and her kids and everything. So this dog lunges at him. And when it did, she tried to take, pull the dog off and dog turned around and just basically took her arm off. But but I mean, it wasn't until two days later when there was an update on the story that you found out that the reason the dog had been picked up off the street and put in a shelter was because the dog had been abused by this man that had like beat the hell out of it. And usually when people are beating the hell out of something, they're probably screaming at it too. Right. So this, this guy yelling at this dog freaked it out. I had a friend of mine who had a pit that he rescued at the age of seven and it was, you know, it was an older pit. And um, you couldn't you couldn't wear a hat in, around it. If it saw you, if you put on a cap, that dog would freak out. Mm -hmm. And it really wouldn't. It wouldn't. I never saw it attack anybody, but it would growl. It would bark. It would get like you could tell it was pissed off. Right. But as soon as you took the hat off, it would go calm down. It would go lay in a corner. Mm -hmm. like, it would leave you alone. So you have to understand like the, the situation that a lot of these dogs are raised in are really bad situations. Mm -hmm. So I mean. If, um, you know, my mom was attacked by a chow when she was a little girl, 
you know, that doesn't mean I want to like destroy all chows, even though chows have some of the worst attitudes of any dog I've ever met in my life. Chows and cocker spaniels, they're like the dicks of dogs, right? And and so it's it's like, all right, just because I got bit by, I got scratched by a tabby on my face. I don't think we should put all tabby cats to sleep, you know, right. like, what are we talking about here? Like there, there is something to be said about the way these, these animals are raised and treated. And, and so, yeah, it, I think I find it ridiculous. I, I kind of like find, I find it absurd. I remember um, when I was driving over the road, I'd go into Colorado and I'd go to Denver and, and pit bulls are uh, illegal in, in Denver. Oh, so wow. I would, I wouldn't be able to, yeah, I wouldn't be able to get my dog out to use the bathroom when I was in Denver. I had to make sure that I could get in, get my load and get out so that I could allow my dog to use the bathroom outside of the city limits of Denver. Mm. Holy shit. Jesus. Yeah. And, and so like when it comes to shit like that, was it just like, pit bulls overall or do they kind of like specify a breed is it because like no, they never you... specify they just say pit bulls they, they're they really talking about bully breed dogs mm -hmm. if you had a cane corso they would call it a pit bull right yeah. like yeah i mean like so like slayer, Steve. slayer is 11 a year was 11 years old when he died but they would have called him a pit bull yeah because of the shape of his head you know but but then if you saw my my old uh staffordshire they wouldn't have called, or no, he was an American pit bull terrier. Sorry, they wouldn't have called him a pit bull because his snout was narrow. I think it's like okay, so it's right. the block-headed dogs you have a problem with, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the it's not the breed of dog. It's it's a dog with a block head that's muscular and strong, like Boogie, like you know that type deal. Now I you know I went through all kinds of border crossings and stuff like that when I was driving over the road. And I always con was concerned, like whenever, because you have to stop and they'll ask, are you, are you from the United States? And you, yeah, I'm a citizen, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, all right. Well, Boogie, anytime I would stop, he would wake up in his seat and jump from his seat into my lap and stare out the window. And so I had to roll the window down. And so what I would have to do is I'd have to wrap my arm around his chest and let the guy know he's not aggressive. <laughs> and and then roll the window down and Boogie would be sniffing and trying to see what was going on down there. But every one of those guys, um, every one of the border patrol agents always just told me, man, that's a beautiful dog. I bet he's a really good companion. So yeah, I never had any issues like that, but you know, I always, I was always concerned with it. Wow. Yeah. See, and before I had Lily, I mean, I wasn't even like a dog person. Right. So like before I, uh, I met my wife and she moved in, um, didn't have a dog. And I thought like, oh, nobody really hates pit bulls, right? Like nobody really cares. Like it's just a stigma. Probably there's a few people that are probably assholes about it, but it's probably not that big of a deal. And then like I get on Twitter and I start looking around and the way that people are about it, I'm like, holy fuck. But um, <coughs> what I was going to say earlier is uh, Jen and Steve, my bass player and singer, they raised cane corsos, which is funny you brought that up. Cane corsos are Italian mastiffs. And mm -hmm. some of theirs kind of have like a little bit more of a Doberman shape where they're mm -hmm. a little bit taller, leaner, but they're still, you know, husky as shit. Oh, yeah, and then some of their other ones. Those are big dogs. They're beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're gorgeous. And then some of their other ones are a little bit shorter and stock here and they look like a pit bull but um you know they're still really friendly but i mean some of them like they're one every time i go over there and i've been going over to their house for you know at least once a month for the last couple of years probably like the last four or five years um 
<laughs> he still paces back and forth and barks whenever I go over. He is protective as fuck. And I, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you go in there, <laughs> you're probably not coming back out one piece. But um, yeah, if you said, have bad intentions, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know, you take them out of there, though. They're calm and nice to be. And same deal with our other dogs. And it's it's also kind of funny because now Axton and Lily are kind of having a little bit of, of a rocky road now. And Axton has actually been a lot rougher with Lily than vice versa. I mean, Axton's bigger than her. But, you know, supposedly if you ask just about any person in the world, they'd probably tell you that Lily would be the one to fuck him up. but he's been the one pinning her down and mm. kind of getting at her. But we've, we kind of like notice like Lily will kind of pin her ears back and kind of show some sort of aggression before she's about to start, you know, going after him whenever that used to happen. There's just little behaviors that we pick up on. And I feel like a lot of these situations where people got mauled by dogs, I feel like they just weren't privy to the situation like they weren't noticing the subtle cues that the dog was giving off that they were about to attack because it's never just they snap there's a build-up there's cues they're gonna tell you physically before they tell you you know before they literally bite you right a lot of times when it's the children too if you notice there's like three or four year olds yeah and um what will happen a lot of times is the kid will wander into the wrong yard and and then you have this little person staring eye to eye with a strange dog. And, you know, they say you're not supposed to look a dog in the eye. Well, if you don't know the dog, yeah, you probably should. Now, I look my dogs in the eye. I make eye yeah. contact with my dogs all the time. But that's how I train my dogs. Like, look at me. You're going to do this. And this is how we're going to operate. So, like, if you come over to my house, you'll notice my dog boogie especially more so than butters but boogie is constantly looking at me for cues Mm -hmm. like how do i act in this situation you know and we'll we make eye contact a lot a lot of times i'm telling i'll tell him to do something without actually saying something he just knows that okay this is the situation and like so i'm giving him these cues because i've raised him from a puppy i mean for three years i was his entire life he was in my truck with me 24 7 i was it that was all he had so we have that kind of bond but if you're if you're wandering into a strange yard then you're gonna yeah you could definitely run into a situation like that and it's sad that things like that happen but it's not just going to happen with pit bulls Doberman's will do the same thing. My cousin was attacked by his own Rottweiler. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, but it it happens. You know, these things do happen. And um, like, what what can you do? You know, um, you're gonna make every breed of guard dog illegal because ultimately, that's really what pit bulls are. No matter how you train them. they're they're loyal they're not going to let something bad happen to you there was this really cool story about this lady um this old lady had had a pit bull i think the dog was probably eight nine years old it was an older dog and this guy kicked in her door and and pulled a gun on her and the dog came running around the corner and jumped up at the guy's face and the guy got off a shot shot the dog in the head and the dog survived and saved that lady's life. Wow. You know? So yeah, I mean, that's what they are. 
I mean, I'm sorry, but that's what these dogs are. They're loyal. There's not going to be a more loyal dog. When my kids were small, I had a, a Staffordshire um, named Autumn, and she was a she was this really brown gold brindle, really beautiful dog, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, they would they would sleep on her. They would lay down. I would I would turn cartoons on in the living room, and she would lay in the floor, and they would lay on her and watch cartoons. And she wasn't going to let anything happen to those kids, you know? And so it's like, all right, well, I mean, it's obviously dependent on how you raise these dogs. Another thing has happened with the pit bulls, a lot of the pit bull community, because there is such a demand for them, is um, a lot of these breeders are inbreeding them. And once you get a couple of generations into inbreeding, there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like there was something wrong with Aldous and Julius Huxley due to inbreeding. I mean, it just, it's one of those things that happens, you know? And so there, there is that phenomenon and I'm not saying there isn't, but I mean, that could happen with any breed of dog, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that people who say we should kill all the pit bulls or new to them or do this or do that. I, I had one guy in my DM saying, <laughs> would you compromise and just say we should neuter all the pit bulls. I'm like, okay, well, let, let's kind of like walk through this because th- at the end of the day, your goal is to reduce the amount of harm done to people, right? I think we can all get on board with that. Okay, fine. How are you going to enforce this? If you're going to say that we should go door to door and tell people that like, hey, I'm going to neuter your dogs. I'm going to put down your dogs. Do you think people are just going to say, all right, <laughs> like it's a difference between like a gun and a dog where there's definitely a lot of people who probably fight for their guns, but I'd be willing to bet probably more people feel like their dogs are like part of their family. They, they about be, their dogs. They pull their guns for their dogs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so do you think people are just like not going to react to this? Like it's insane to think that this is something that could be implemented and people talk about it all the time. And right. it, it goes to the whole like race stuff too. And, and like I get noticing the patterns, but like, okay, well, what do we do about this? <laughs> like, well, yeah, it, it, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it just it, it's it's a it's a silly conversation to have with people because they're completely emotional about. It's like, all right, well, let's say hippos kill like twenty two thousand people every year in Africa. Oh, they're super territorial. They're mean should, as fuck. Should should we kill all the hippos? You know, like yeah, I, I, it's, I, you know, people kill millions of people every year. <laughs> I'm just saying well, well, okay, so I guess this pit is nice. Maybe, maybe yeah. let's not get rid of the pit bulls. Maybe we get rid of the people and there's no more people for the pit bulls to kill. How about yeah, that? Well, there you go. Let them roam free. But you know, um, I definitely think that there's a little bit of, of a part of the globalist agenda, right? Is that you, you remove all the people. So I, I guess, you know, um, they don't understand what they're necessarily advocating for. And I say on the principle of, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I, now I remember. I was listening to you and Rachel Tobias go over, what was it? Chapter three. A lot of that stuff in there, and I wish I would have listened to it again this morning. A lot of that stuff was absolutely excellent, and I gotta, I gotta get that and kind of breeze through that. Um, the one thing that interests me about a lot of these conversations, though, is that um, people oftentimes don't realize like the human demand for ideology. Where, if you look back all throughout history, 
like people are crazy about shit no matter what it is like this isn't some new phenomena this crazy woke stuff right this is just the human nature does not change right yeah yeah um when i was recording with courtney earlier we were talking about that and you know it's one of the things i told her i was like you know there are a lot of ways and reasons you can read the bible i was like but if if you sit down and you just look for patterns you can imprint the patterns of civilization that is biblical onto modern society because human nature does not change. These, these ideologies, these philosophies are being recycled. They may give them different names. They may make them sound innocuous, but they are like, if, if you, I guarantee you, if I sat down, I follow Malthusianism. It will lead me to the eugenics movement. And I follow the eugenics movement. It will lead me to the climate change agenda of today. So it went through global cooling in the 70s, global warming in the 90s, climate change into the 2000s, right? And it's all going to come from the same place. And it's this social science, but it all has the same ends, the killing of massive amounts of people. All right. So look at what, what they're doing with like um, the, the agenda today. They're cutting down on nitrogen. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffer nutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! All right. So what is this doing? This is creating uprise in the Netherlands where they have reduced the amount of farming these farmers can do, reduce the amount of food being produced. Uh, we can't get fertilizer out of Ukraine and Russia. Not like, you know, not like it's intentional that we went to war. That, that, that can't possibly be the thing. It can't be an agenda that the war happened when it happened, the way it happened. Right. It's but now the fertilizer problem. COVID came through. We had the supply chain breaking. All right. You take these three scenarios, just those three, add that together. They they are estimating upwards of 60 million people in sub-Saharan Africa are gonna die this year from starvation. Holy that's like an increase, that's like an increase of like 20 times what last year. So what's really interesting about that is that you heard oftentimes people say that some of the largest growing economies were in sub-Saharan Africa over the last couple of decades because um, you know their standard of living was raising dramatically. And I think probably some of that is due to like the cobalt mining, some of the uh, you know different metals that they're mining, and then some of the uh, stuff that China's doing, you know, how they go over there. Uh, um, one of the sayings I really like is uh, <laughs> China goes into countries with briefcases and America goes over there with bombs. So, you know, who do you think the countries tend to like more? Um, there's a lot of things that go on over in Africa, obviously, and I think you're probably a little bit more more well-versed on that than I am. But um, 
now you have this perfect storm with COVID and supply chains, and then now this war where now you can't feed, like you said, a large population of people. And those people typically live hand to mouth where basically the labor they do that day is what feeds them that day. So they can't go for very long without any kind of productive labor or receiving any kind of income or else they're going to starve. Right. Well, and, and another thing I like to bring up whenever I'm having these conversations about population and about like the population control, right? You got the Jaffe memo. I think me and LB talked about this in detail. The Jaffe memo was is a memo that came out in, internally in Planned Parenthood. Now, one of the things that they said in order to control population, you had to, to end um, traditional families yep. and you had to push the, the homosexual agenda. This was this is all part of eugenics, the transgender movement, the homosexual, the LGBTQIA, uh, the climate change agenda. All of these things are rooted out of the eugenics, the Malthusian movement of decreasing the population. And you look at what's happened to the population of the United States and the amount of children that are being born in the United States today compared to just 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, it was like the average family had like 2.3 kids per household. Now it's the average family has 1.6 kids per household, mm -hmm. right? Now that doesn't mean that they're shitting out little Johnny and cutting his arm off. Mm -hmm. That means yeah. that the, the birth rate is going down. It's dropping dramatically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, men and women are also getting married older and older because once if again, at all, yeah, right. Right. So, and I'm kind of, in the <laughs> the target demographic because um i think women on average get married around like 27 and then men get married around 29 so sarah and i are she's 26 and i'm 28 you so see, we're pretty i got married close. i got married when i was 19 then i got married when i was 23 24 then i got married when i was 32 shit i missed <laughs> well you did your part though you did your part because you had a couple of kids that uh it was funny you you sent me some pictures and i was like holy fuck i could tell who the fuck their dad is Jesus <laughs> if you put me next to my older brother or my dad you would know right away you know who's who right um, but yeah they really do punish this idea of the nuclear family and you can't think it's not by design at this point um you have women go out and you tell them for their entire lives that they're special and that they don't need no man and then go get a career and be happy at doing that and then um you expose you know a lot of this population to social media the way that we have and now you know attention for women is very very important right because this is how they would interpret resources back in the day and men always want you know unlimited access to unlimited sexuality so you give men porn and you give women all the attention in the world and then you know they start to go further and further apart they have less and less children and i think we're seeing those kind of consequences play out today yeah, but they're, but they're all on drugs. They're all depressed. They're all doped up on Valium and all these all these opioids. And you know, it, it, why 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 are y'all so depressed? If you're getting all the attention you want, why are you so depressed? If you have access to all the sexuality online mm -hmm. that you you can handle, you're masturbating until you got blisters on the tip of your dick. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you so depressed? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And There's it's no because, meaning. because, well, it's unnatural. It's right. not the way that, that humans were made to interact. Exactly. Right. That's not real interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's the human touch, you know, um, there, there's something to be said about the, the cleaving 
to your wife and your husband like that, to have that security right there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they want to make a big deal out of, Oh, well, you know, Christianity says, um, women should obey their husbands and yada, 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 which means a husband can be abusive. Well, no, that's not what it's saying at all. Actually, what, what the call is for is for a woman to be faithful and dedicated to her husband the way that that you're called to be faithful and dedicated to the church, right? And the husband is called to be the priest of the family, right? So all the sins of that family fall upon that husband's shoulders. He's shouldering all the burden. He's supposed to take that burden off of you. That's what it means to love somebody, right? You take that. You're taking all that that worry and that trouble on your shoulders and you're carrying the load. That's what a husband's there to do, to be the priest of the house. And, but we lost all that. We've lost it all. Yeah. And it's, it's really disturbing to see because it's like everybody I grew up with and all my best friends, other than maybe like a handful, all didn't have dads in their homes. Like they yeah. had two families, they had two Christmases. And I know a lot of people throw rocks at me and I don't do myself any favors in this regard, but you know, there are great step parents. And I was very blessed to have two great step parents, um, step mom and stepdad. But um, this isn't a normal thing for society to have this many divorced parents all over the place. And you have to, yeah, but you'll never children. have that bond with the step parent that you have with your parent. Exactly. It's ne it's never replaced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it could be helpful, yeah. In the greatest of circumstances, if let's say your mom dies giving birth to you, yeah, it could you probably need a woman in your life to act in that motherly way. Right. But you're not supposed to be raised by people that aren't your parents. Yeah. Yeah. For you some know? reason that's very controversial to say and to say that um you don't want to raise somebody else's kids. And it's not that I'm putting down other people who do. I have no problem with it. But the fact is I don't want to do it. And to a degree men are going to have to kind of say, I'm not willing to put up with this anymore. So that way there's kind of an equilibrium here because eventually people are just going to have, there's going to have to be a marked demand for it. Right. And not that, you know, it all boils down to economics, but I mean, your people are going to have to understand that like, okay, so if you're a woman, you have children, then your sexual market value is greatly reduced. And for men, you know, if you want to have kids of your own, then you need to be worthy of that, right? Kind of like you were saying, where the man's the priest of the family, where he takes responsibility for taking care of the house and being the breadwinner and stuff like that. And then in return, he gets a woman's loyalty and then her being the mother of their children. That's the way that it's supposed to work. But right. nowadays, what happens is that the woman gets the man that she desires and then, you know, she splits up with him after a couple of years. And then the man that's a good long-term bet um, takes, you know, kind of picks up where that guy left off or you know picked up where that guy wasn't quite ready to do that and that's also why i feel like it's a big issue with polygamy like people are talking about this a lot and i thought it wasn't that big of a thing and then i start talking to people i'm like you guys are like all fucking each other like what the fuck's wrong with you well why but but here here's stuff like this is what really pushed me back in the direction of christianity sure because i started seeing it and i was like wait a second that was like thousands of years ago people did this. Why are y'all doing it now? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? The machine like, doesn't change. Well, and it's not about the machine. It's yeah. like, it's like there's a spirit. It's like there's like demons or, you know, however you want to say it, there's a spirit of it that that is 
it's corrupted and it corrupts right. humanity and it pulls humanity into specific directions. Right. And these directions, like you said, the machine doesn't change. They're always the same directions mm -hmm. and it's to pervert the, the good of, of what could be right. If, 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 if woman is created out of man's side to be the other half and y'all together make a whole, then how do you pervert that? Right. Well, it, you get in touch with your feminine side and you become the woman that instead of finding a woman or you find several women because their utility is only in what they can offer you physically, right? Or something like that. And it's like this complete perversion of what the relationship is intended to be. Mm -hmm. And when, as you pervert that relationship, like you don't have good because there's evil. You have good because there's a perversion. I mean, you have evil because there's a perversion of the good. Right. The good exists, right? And you can find that good. But if you're perverting the good, then you find yourself in a place of evil. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I think you've also had an interesting perspective on, I don't think we've talked about it a lot. Um, you'll see how this kind of makes sense here in a second. But like Jordan Peterson tells people to man up. And my problem with how people interpret Jordan Peterson is that they expect him. My to dad always told me nut up or shut up. Why can't he just say that? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> can't run with the big dogs. Don't get off the porch. There you go. <laughs> uh, they, they look at Jordan Peterson as this ideal libertarian, you know, giga Chad warrior. And he's just not that, but, um, where he's good is that he's telling men that they need to be better, right? But the problem is, and I think you'll empathize with this and you would know much more than me in this respect, is that there's no benefit to man up necessarily today because when the cards are stacked against you as a man in family court, then – you know, what is 100% responsibility with 0% authority? It's pretty much slavery. And that's what, you know, basically we do to men today is that we tell them that they have to be responsible for all the, uh, you know, financial costs and the burden of raising a family, but though they have no, you know, decision-making in this whole deal because we'll take your ass to court. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking and no one is thanking you. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's it. You just do what you got to do. Like I'm setting an example for my kids. I'm not, I'm not worried about getting a pat on the back. Right. Yeah. So, so I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like, but like, it's not fair that it's like, this mm -hmm. is like real beta shit. And I just don't give a fuck about it. Right. Yeah. It just is. I gotta, I've still gotta be a man no matter what. Yeah. Right. And so I always, when my kids would get in trouble, I would, I would, I would have them like say that mantra. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking and no one will thank you. Right. Character is, or, or courage is taking action. It isn't the absence of fear, but taking action despite the presence of fear. Like I'd tell them it like, what good are these words to them? If I didn't show them that this is what life was about. Right. Like, that's what it was like. You, the problem is so many people are so worried about the, the immediate gratification mm -hmm. that, that they forget that the responsibility brings a much deeper gratification because you know, you did the right thing. Right. It's like when I was talking on Justin's show about uh, my daughter, right. I could have gone the easy route. I could have, I could have like 
jumped in her mother's face and been like, you said all this stuff and you're lying and done it in front of the kids. I couldn't bad mouth her to the kids and, and done all this stuff to get back at her, get that immediate gratification. But I chose the hard road, right? I, I chose to, to carry that burden and just say, okay, well, that's just the way it is. Right. But I had yeah. to make that, but I had to choose that. Yeah. I mean, if you're forced into that situation, then if, if somebody's holding a gun to your head and say, you, you can't do this or you're, you'll go to jail, then like, yeah, it, it's no good. But, but the character is built from doing that. The, 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 the man you see before you today, the reason that we're so close and we're such good friends is because of the intent I took upon myself to, to burden these loads through my life and deal with it. I also look this ugly because of that. Uh, but that's another story, you know? So, but I'm beautiful on the inside, damn it. Yeah, no, no, you're beautiful. On the outside, <laughs> Don't worry. If I had a, if I had a full head of hair like yours, then um, I would definitely show it off. But unfortunately that's uh that's leaving me as I get older. I didn't think it would happen, but it would. Um, Yeah. And I agree that there is a large degree of, you just got to fucking bite the bullet and rock and roll. But um, I, the one point I always try to make is that, like, I don't necessarily fault guys for saying, like, all right, man, I ain't doing this. Like, there's this group of men, the incels and then, like, the MGTOWs. The MGTOWs kind of have, like, the right prescription that, like, the cards are stacked against you, but they have the or they have the right diagnosis, but the wrong prescription. I'm sorry. So men going their own way are basically saying, okay, we're just not going to deal with women at all. But once again, that's the wrong prescription. You have the right diagnosis that, you know, the system's right now rigged against you. But right. that's not to say you should just, you know, go jack off in the basement. That's to say that you need to, you know, find somebody. You need to vet. You need to be very, very careful with who you know and, you know, their entire family and make sure that this is someone that you can be with for a long period of time. But nowadays, kind of like you were saying earlier, instant gratification. You hook up with somebody. It feels really good. It's enjoyable. And then next thing you know, you have a kid with them and then you split up because it's no big deal um that kind of seems to be like the pulse for most people and i really think that's detrimental to society as a whole yeah i think it's completely detrimental to, to society as a whole yeah. and i understand getting frustrated with the system i mean i dealt with it for 20 plus years like yeah i, I get it but so the fuck what like seriously so what right like Am I, am I supposed to be so selfish that I feel sorry for myself and I go lay in a, sit in a corner and suck my thumb and cry myself to sleep every night? That's or do I wrong, just, yeah. or do I just nut up and just do what I got to do? Set an example for my kids, be the priest for them that their mother wouldn't and like, I couldn't be that for their mother because she, she left the church, so to speak, but I can be that for them. Right. So like, I don't care. I don't care that your feelings are hurt. It doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. It, Andrew Tate said something, and I don't listen to him a lot, but I, I've heard Tim Pool repeat this, and I, I think it's really good advice. It doesn't matter how I feel. I got to do the same thing every day. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It Like we were talking about being sick earlier. I Like I think it was before we were recording. Yeah. But I didn't take time off work because I was sick. I didn't feel good. Boo-hoo. I got to pay the bills. If I don't work, the bills don't get paid. I don't eat. Mm -hmm. Like, I have choices to make. 
Yeah, I, I think that attitude's missing from a lot of people as well. And I think that is somewhat of the Jordan Peterson-esque message in a way as well, is that, like you said, you just got to do what you got to fucking but do. That, but, but see, that this is why Jordan Peterson says that he's so popular because uh, like young men are missing their dads. Yeah. I didn't need Jordan Peterson to teach me this message. I had a dad so did I could look at and go, Oh, well, that's how I'm supposed to do it. You know, my dad was working two full-time jobs, you know, like most of my young childhood, I've very rarely got to spend time with him. And when, it, when we were spending time together, we were out playing basketball or throwing the football, you know? And then if I got a little boo-boo, he'd be like, suck it up, buttercup. We're playing basketball. <laughs> so what if you dove off, you shouldn't have dove off the court to save the ball from going out of bounds. If you didn't want a spark plug sticking out of your arm, true story. It happened, you know, like. <laughs> Uh, all right, like if, if you're gonna if you're gonna man up and you're gonna get out there and you're gonna play, like I said, you're gonna play with the big dogs. You got to get off the porch. If, and if you can't hand hack it, then you might as well just lay around in your room like a little girl. You know, stay in your mom's basement, and play video games because you don't belong in the world. Right. But that's not what people need. It's not good for you. It's not healthy to do that. Mm -hmm. Like that's that. But that's why Jordan Peterson always says, like Jordan Peterson has never said anything that I've heard that I couldn't like, like detransition and translate into something my dad taught me. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so it's like, like my dad told me one time that getting your ass kicked doesn't hurt near as bad as not fighting. Mm -hmm. So what's he telling me? He was like, yeah, if you back down from a fight, your pride's going to be hurt. So you might as well just nut up and get in there. Right. Because your pride, your pride doesn't heal near as fast as a bruise on your face, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that kind of reminded me of when I was a little bit younger and I really regret it not spending more time with my grandfather, my dad, and like some of the guys that I just used to be able to kind of have their ear for a little bit. So like my dad would take us to breakfast at the small town diner and this place is still around. They still only take cash and it's still like the most amazing breakfast ever. But I remember going with um, the plumber for my family, the chiropractor. I want to say the other guy was an electrician. And then my dad and my brother and I, when, um, you know, my mom and dad were split up. So we would occasionally get to spend time with our dad and we'd go to breakfast with all of them. And like, just looking back now, I'm like, man, what, what I wouldn't give to kind of just be the fly on the wall that actually wanted to be there at the time, because just like the knowledge of years of like these great people. Cause you know, my dad at the time was in his mid forties. These other guys were in like their fifties, sixties that had just been around for so long and had the same attitude that, you know, you and I have, but you know, I'm sure you probably developed better than I did because you, you, you were probably around your dad more than I was. I don't know, but um, you know, that kind of blue collar, just rough through it attitude. And I'm, I built it up, but it wasn't innate to me. Right. I earned mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know uh, if I was around my dad more. Like I said, he worked two full-time jobs when I was a kid growing up. And uh, my parents did divorce when I was really young. Mm. Um, they, I, I just was lucky enough they got back together when I was about six years old. Okay. Um, now, there were some rough times, you know, like no doubt, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it's, it's just I can – I can look around and I can see the diagnosis for boys, for men. I can see what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, all right, yeah, they were never they were raised by a woman right. that bailed them out. <laughs> right. Yep. And, and but and I don't mean this in a derogatory manner. It's you're raised by a woman. That woman is going to nurture you. That's what her job is. That's what she wants to do. She wants to nurture you. And she wants to protect you and make sure that you don't get hurt. Right. The dad's the one that carries the mattress outside the house, lays it down and tells you to get on the roof and jump on it. Right. <laughs> Let's see what happens, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's the dads have a, a role in, in, in the lives of girls and in boys. Right. A lot of people yeah. say, well, young men need their dads. Young girls need their dads too. Right. That dad sets the example of how you should be treated when you're married. Mm-hmm. That dad is going to treat you like a princess every day of your life. And that sets the tone, that sets the standard for your mate or who you're looking for in a spouse. Right. right. If you don't treat me this way, I'm not going to put up with it. Yeah, Doctor. You know? Warren, yeah, Doctor Warren Farrell has written a couple books, and I would really like to read them, and I'd really like to have him on the show. Um, I, I did email with him back and forth when I first started the show, but um, he said get back to him in like a year, which that that means no, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, he, it, it's no for now. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> it's been over a year, so I I'm probably still too small, and that's okay. Um, yeah, I I, just, I would respect people more if they would just say like no. Actually, you know what? I did get an email, and I don't know if I sent it over to you. Uh, there's this one dude who um does like a lot of fitness research, and um his name's like Menno Henselmans, and they're uh <laughs> the email um that they wrote back to me after I gave them all like my links and everything. They said, oh, he only has time for people with far more subscribers than you. Like the fact they put yeah, far you, more, I'm like, yeah, you told. Me. Yeah, I was like, at least they're honest. Right. Like, I, okay. I respect that. I'll so, work harder. I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, that's a, a or if he or if he has a plummet in reputation, like the Liver King, then yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you like may it. be the only show he could get on. <laughs> right, right. Um, Doctor Warren Farrell brings up how um, rough housing with boys and girls actually makes them more empathetic rather than less, and this is something that we've lost over time. Is this play? Because the idea of play once again teaches you boundaries and it teaches you how to interact with your own body, and not only that, with the bodies of others without hurting them, because you know if you go and i stick my finger in your eye then obviously that's too far but if i pick you up and body slam you on the couch okay we're fine but you know when you start hurting each other then once again you know you've gone too far but the dad's able to step in there and say hey you've gone too far or you know this is okay um that kind of seems to be what he laid out in the literature that he had read and that seems to be from what i understand lacking a lot today because once again we're over feminized we're told to get in touch with our female side be gentle don't get too rough and you know the boys when they're acting up in the classroom well let's just drug those little bastards because they're loud and rowdy and they need to act like little girls Mm, yeah yeah i remember when i was my my brother and i were younger and and my mom wouldn't be home. My dad would be home with us because he worked retail a lot of times. A lot of a lot of our life, he worked retail. So he'd have a day off during the week or whatever. We'd be home like during the summer or whatever with him. My mom would be at work. And my brother and I would get in a fight. He'd bring us out in the backyard and say, all right, settle it. <laughs> and he'd just sit there and watch and let us beat the hell out of each other. You know? And, you know, and so, it, yeah, like moms don't know how to do that. But, but moms, a lot of times, a lot of the 
the violent boys that are being raised in society are being raised by single moms. Yep. And Look a lot of that mass shooters. A lot of the reasoning is because moms don't know how to deal with that wild spirit. Like they don't like boys, boys are wild. Boys have this, this feral desire to just be physical and rough and in your face. And a lot of times moms result to spanking boys a lot quicker than a dad will. Mm. A dad is much more understanding and, and will sit and talk and, and listen to what is being said. You know, um, one of the things that I always did with my boys uh, whenever I was growing up or when they were growing up, I'm sorry, uh, was, is I would spank them. And when they calmed down, I would talk to them about why they got in trouble and why it led to a spanking. Mm -hmm. And um, my youngest son, he just wouldn't, I, I've talked about this before. Cause I remember I got a message from a guy about this. Um, my youngest son just would not, it just didn't work. It, it didn't matter what I did. So I started putting him in the push up position and just making him sit there or do the electric chair and like bringing him through like military style PT exercises. Mm -hmm. And like within a month, he stopped getting in trouble, never got in trouble again. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like, all right, well, but so you do have to gauge how, how you discipline your children and, and, and judge whether or not it's beginning to get too much. You know, I was spanking this kid like four or five times a night after I got home from work. You know, so you're talking about four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon till eight thirty at night when he went to bed, he's getting spanked four or five times. I'm like th this can't continue. I don't want to like this is no way for him to be raised. Like we're not interacting in any way other than I'm just beating your ass all the time. Like that's not like that's not how you you engage with children, you know, and and raise a healthy child. So I had to get creative and figure out different ways of disciplining him and, and talking to him. And, and I did, you know, and it worked like after, like, a, like after about a month and a half, two months, maybe he came up to me one weekend. It was like one Saturday. We were just sitting there. We were playing. We, this is back when there was the, we, we were bowling. Oh, holy yeah. shit. Oh yeah, my God. We're... I, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember my brother and I waited 12 and a half hours in a fucking Walmart to get Wii when it first came out. I will never forget. We watched the, the Doom, I think it was the Doom movie with Dwayne Johnson and they have the first person scene. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah. Sorry. sorry but yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so so we're, we we were playing Wii and uh, we were bowling and uh, he, he's like, Dad. And I was like, what? He goes, you don't, you don't have me do PT anymore. Well, you haven't been, been in trouble. He's like, yeah, but but I, I like doing PT. I was like, well, do PT then. So he started doing it on his own. Still wasn't getting in trouble. He started doing it on his own because he enjoyed it. And and so, yeah, like you, you learn things like that, but you know, that's part of like, that's part of the growth. That's part of fun. Like, like I would never have like some of the stories I have if it weren't for being involved in my children's lives as much as I could be, even, even with the job I had driving truck and being gone, especially after uh, my second divorce, like I still tried to make as much time as possible to spend with them, no matter what was going on. And, um, you know, it wasn't always possible I, when my, when my, uh, three oldest, because I had three with my first wife, two with my second, my three oldest 
um, were still young, there were times I couldn't afford gas to go pick them up and spend time with them. And I felt horrible. It would, it would just eat me up. Like what kind of man am I, you know? And it made me want to work harder to get to a position where I could go spend that time with them. Right. And so, but it like men have that internal eating at them. Like there's always something eating, like oh, I'm not yes. doing enough. I'm not, giving enough a lot of a man's ambition isn't for the sake of getting wealthy or or famous or anything like that a lot of it is because i like my my family wants something and i can't provide it so i have to do something to get that what's up everybody um we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors um we are brought to you by element t electrolytes I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut. And uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys. Thanks. Like that's like the the biggest like boost kick in the ass is, is understanding that your children want to spend time with you and you can't afford the $10 in the car to drive you know, 20 minutes away and pick them up because then you won't be able to go to work and, and pay child support the next, next week, you know? And so like, that'll do something to your psyche that makes you something different than just an average person. And so, but you have to go through those hardships and that those hard times to understand what it is to, to really, to dig down and find out what you are, like what you're made of, right? That's how you discover these things. Yeah, there's um kind of your bigger idea there is that um the machine is not built to be just happy and fine the way it is because I'm sure you know um same as I do, whenever I hit these records on the deadlift or a certain exercise or hit a certain weight, um, play a certain venue, like the I don't know high... shit about a deadlift. I don't even know what a deadlift <laughs> is. You robbing graves? Like what's happening here? <laughs> That's the funniest way I've ever heard a uh, deadlift. <laughs> but, um, when you do hit kind of this personal record or this thing you've been, you know, really thirsting after for so long, it that's here and gone. Like it's not a sustained thing. A lot of the enjoyment is in the chase and in the building and in the grind. And that's why I enjoy, you know, going to the gym and lifting and then practicing or, you know, all the stuff that to some people may even seem like suffering, 
but though it's like you know this is for what you want you know you're building something i'm guessing mm. it's probably the same way with you and homesteading as you're kind of doing now i mean i guess it's it's kind of cold and nasty <laughs> i'm not really doing much of anything my chickens are running around that yard and that's pretty much chasing it. your dogs my ducks chasing my dog but it was funny it was funny <laughs> Freaking yesterday, dude. Uh, no, it wasn't yesterday because it was so nasty yesterday. It was the day before yesterday. I'm sitting out on my front porch and I'm reading. And this chick, this duck, you know, is chasing butters and just making circles. And Boogie's standing right there, like by the front door and just watching. And they keep running right next to him. And I guess Boogie just got tired of it. So he just, he waited and he waited and his butters ran by. That duck's coming by, but Boogie just, bam, and just, smash that duck's head down on the ground and is holding it there he's like stop it <laughs> and i and he looks over at me and i'm like boogie stop and he lets his paw up and it's like okay and he walks over to me like <laughs> but he first thing he did when he did it he looked at me like is this okay <laughs> can i do this <laughs> and i'm like dude let the duck up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can't imagine the noise this duck would make when it's being held down by a fucking. It made no body. noise. It just had this big. Those big eyes are just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't. They don't jack with Boogie at all. Mm -hmm. well, actually, the the other the brown one did today, which was funny because Boogie was. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. The ducks, because there was all the rainwater, so there are all these worms coming up to the surface, and the ducks out there, and it's like drinking out of the water, eating the worms. And Boogie comes up behind it and nudges it with his nose. And that duck turned around and Boogie took a step at it and the duck took off running. So Boogie started chasing the duck. It's like, kind of like a, see, I can chase you too, motherfucker. And, <laughs> but it was the other duck because this the brown duck does nothing. It just kind of watches when everything's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I see what's going on and I knock on the window. I say, hey, Boogie, stop it. So he's like, Ugh. All right, so he turned around and he comes walking back in the house. Well, as he comes walking back in the house, the duck puts his head down and runs after him. I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> you just saved his ass and he's going after him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I told you. That's what I thought, motherfucker. You know? So, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the other morning I went Freaking to- Freaking animals uh, crack me up. Yeah, I went to go get uh, the, the dogs out of the out of the bed and because um, I usually go take a shower. I'll, I'll get up in the morning and- um, we'll have some of them in the bed or that or I'll even lay with Sarah and uh, Posh is super old. So she's delicate. She kind of gets up slowly and starts kind of creeping her way downstairs. Axton, as soon as you go up to him, he's up and ready to go. <laughs> Lily, you kind of have to nudge her and then she'll get out. Um, Axton came in and just like Posh just got up and he like slammed his paw on her and she yelped super loud. I'm like, man, she's like a little 15 year old mini pit. She's delicate, man. You got to fucking be careful but it, it was kind of funny and she fucking snipped after him she's not afraid to go after him and it's it's funny this little five pound mini pin will chase around this 90 pound doberman australian shepherd mix and he's like <laughs> he's like terrified of her he, he won't like he'll fuck with her every year and there but she'll go after him and he'll just like back up and leave her alone butters has always had that that personality like mm. since the day we got him um i was actually telling the story earlier that uh when we got Boogie and Butters, because they're both from the same litter, it was a few weeks after Pinky died, um, who was that American Pitbull Terrier that I used to have. Mm -hmm. And um, 
he um it was it was a few weeks after that i couldn't sleep so i had to get another dog i wasn't going to get another dog me and me and pinky were very close really close like i would whenever i would i would jump out of the truck and this is just kind of an aside but i'd get out of my truck and he would be sitting there in the floorboard at at the uh at the pedals and i'd snap my fingers and i'd point and he would jump and land exactly where I pointed, and he would land in a sitting position and wait for me to tell him to do something. Like he was such a good dog, mm-hmm. and um, and I could never get Boogie under that kind of control. That motherfucker was wild, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so we I there there was a video that the people that we bought Butters and Boogie from posted, and I, Butters caught my eye immediately. I saw him on that, like the pink that runs across his lips, with yeah. the white nose. I was like, I want that one. That that dog's coming home with me. That's a beautiful freaking dog. I want him. And we get there, and I see him immediately as we walk up, and I pick him up, and he's just shivering. He's just shaking. He's so terrified. And I pick him up, and I'm petting him, and I'm talking to him, and he's just kind of like, all right, this I don't, this is happening. I'm, I'm not sure what to think. And I'm like, well, okay, well, he doesn't seem real excited for me to be jacking with him. Maybe, maybe this isn't the right dog. And I look at my wife and I was, we had discussed her buying one, but we hadn't decided whether or not she was going to get one. And so I was like, do you want to hold him? And she was like, sure. So I hand him to her and she grabs him like this and he just burrows in her hair. <laughs> and, and I'm like, that's your dog. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's your dog. So he was like that. He was such, so terrified of everything from day one. We, he, the whole ride home from Lumberton, which is only 25 minutes from where I live. He shivered the entire ride home. I held him on my lap trying to hold him still uh, because Boogie was running around the truck and Beatrix was trying to figure out what he was doing. And, um, and so we get to the house I put him down inside and he runs and he hides up under the, under the couch and he hid under the couch for like two days. <laughs> and up until he could there, he finally stopped hiding under things when he got stuck under our bed, when he was about six or seven months old, <laughs> but like he would like, he was just terrified of everything. He was always scared of everything. He was, he, did, he wouldn't even get in the, the truck on his own for two and a half years. <laughs> we would take him places. We took him to Childerberg. And like he rode with us in the in the 18-wheeler whenever we had hurricanes around here. But he would not do it on his own for up until a few months ago. He finally wow. started like, oh, okay, you're gonna take Boogie, I'll go to. You know, like, but for the it, it took two and a half years for him to get comfortable getting in that truck. Mm-hmm. Like, he would not do it. Like, it was just his personality, always like that. Boogie was the exact opposite. Like, what? I'll do it. I'll try it. You know, like, <laughs> like whatever. But so, yeah, it's funny. The personalities are, are really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what Sarah and I always say about Axton, who, like, we both took, like, 
a total of like, I think like a week and a half off when we first got him just so we could be at home and make sure that he didn't piss all over the house and didn't set him in his cage for too long. And like, now that he's grown up, he's just like the funniest, goofiest dog ever. And he's very, very sweet. And he, he always like, when he wants attention, he'll come up to you and he'll sit down and he'll just stare at you and wag. And then, you know, like if you walk away from him, he'll like walk up to you and lean on you. You know, when he, when you get home, he's always excited to see everybody. And then his thing is always, as soon as like you try to get him to do something, he just slams his paws down. Or like when we go to put him in his bed, sometimes if he's laying in our bed, um, he'll start growling and he'll sound super mean, but then he'll bite you. And it's just like this little nibble, just a very, very slight nibble. And then you get him a treat and he's perfectly fine. So yeah. it, it's really funny. He does like this huge show, but it's he's... like, I'm talking to you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he'll bark. He sounds super mean and growling, but yeah, just like little tiny nibbles never bites hard. Boogie Boogie does not bark or growl at, at me or Beatrix. He, he does this kind of like really, I don't, can you hear him? He's doing it right now. He's talking to me right now because he can hear me, but he can't see me. If I'm home and he can't see me, he's freaking out. Uh, he's laying outside my office door right now going, oh, 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 <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And he'll do that the entire time I'm in the shower. And if I'm taking a shit and I have the door closed in the bathroom, he does that the entire time. Like if if I'm home and he cannot see me, that is what he's doing the entire time. Like he does not stop doing that until I open the door and I'm like, okay. And he's like, okay. And then he just follows me wherever I go. Yeah. But, and even if I let him come in the bathroom, when I'm taking a shower, he'll stand outside the shower curtain and make that noise. Like <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I'll open the curtain and be like, look, you can see me. I'm right here. It doesn't matter. He'll stay right there. Oh, 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 oh. And that's what he does the whole time. It, it's it's funny, but he only does that with me, me and Beatrix. He doesn't like talk to other people that way, mm. you know. But yeah, it, Lily, it, it's funny. Yeah, Lily's a slouch when uh, whenever we're home. Okay, so I wanted to pivot over and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's forward. get to something serious. We we're kind of back and forth and all over the place talking about dogs. Okay, what is your opinion on the Pantera reunion? I know you're not that big on Pantera, but I think we should. No, I'm a huge Pantera fan. Well, I know you said you're bigger on Down. That's why I say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think Down's a better band. Um, I think they had better music, but mm. I, I love I love Pantera. Um, I, I don't mind it. I like it. Uh, it I think it's good. I mean, I'm not going to go. They they are coming. Like, because the first show I saw, they were playing. They were playing with Metallica, and they weren't coming anywhere near me mm -hmm. and then i saw the other day they released my wife showed me they released a lamb new schedule Pantera. yeah they're playing with lamb of god and they're going to be in the woodlands um i don't know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend a hundred dollars to go to a concert i just never have mm. per ticket 107 bucks per ticket i'm just not gonna spend it so i mean it's great i think it's great for young fans that have never um i never got i never did see them Though I should have seen them because I mean, I was I'm of the age that should have gotten to see Pantera at some point. Um, but I never did see them. Um, but I don't know. I'm I, I like the idea, I think it's I think it's cool. Uh, I think they did a good, a good job with the, with the musicians they chose. Uh, because I think I think the respect factor is there, right? If yeah. you hear if you hear Zach Wilde play Randy Rhodes, like. I mean, he's 
trying to play Randy Rhodes. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to do justice to what Randy Rhodes did. And so I think I think it's a good choice of musicians. I don't think they're going to disrespect the songs or the music or anything like that. Um, so I think it's cool, you know? Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm glad. I wish they would have done it when Vinny was still alive. Yeah. You know, I wish Vinny would have gotten over, you know, his his bitterness and swallowed his pride right. and done it for the fans because the fans wanted to see it. Yep. But I mean, it that wasn't meant to be. It didn't happen. And here we are. And Rex and Phil have been talking about doing it for a long time. And I have a lot of respect for Rex as a musician um, and Phil as, as a vocalist. I think Phil's probably one of the best frontmen ever to agreed you know so i mean right up there with bruce dickinson and ronnie james dio like i put phil anselmo you know i uh, i think you know those probably the three greatest front men of any metal bands mm-hmm. um you know you, you may be able to throw another one out there and i'd be like oh okay yeah that's fair enough but yeah i think those are my those are would be my top three to choose um just the energy they bring to the shows and um you know, their, their vocals. I, I do worry that Phil's going to have issues with some of the higher notes, but he's kind of cleaned up over the last couple of years. Surprise. Well, he had, but he had like, he had like several vocal surgeries, Yeah, you know, and it, his voice is really just beat up, you know, um, cause he didn't sing with technique. He sang for sound. And when you ignore technique, you'll tear your vocal cords to shit. Yeah. And, um, Heroin so, probably doesn't uh, help either. It, it, I'm sure it didn't hurt. <laughs> um, put your vocal cords to sleep. Just yeah, right there. <laughs> relax the shit out of them. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm cool with it. I don't have an issue with it, you know. But I have heard um, he he plays. You know, he has Phil and Selma and the Illegals. I've heard them yeah. do a few Pantera songs, and he doesn't sound terrible, mm-hmm. like. Uh, but I, I think they're going to be very careful about the songs they choose. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be expecting to hear a lot off of Cowboys from Hell. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot know. of that falsetto because that was yeah. like right out of. Uh, I think the last prod or the last album they put out was in '88 before they put out Cowboys from Hell, and I want to say that was not Death Trap, uh, Power Metal. I think it was called in '88. Um, and he'd had a lot more of the Rob Halford s kind of highs and stuff like that, and obviously that carried over a lot. Wasn't that a different album. vocalist? No, it was a different vocalist for the first three albums. And oh, then, okay, okay. Then okay. Um, Phil joined in. I uh, want it was like eighty seven, eighty six, somewhere around there. I'm I'm a little shaky. Okay. Pre nineties Pantera, but um, yeah, he joined for that one album, and then it was Cowboys from Hell. Um, they're playing a lot of stuff, if I remember correctly, off of um uh vulgar and far beyond driven and i think they even did some stuff off of uh reinventing the steel i don't think they did a lot off the great southern trend kill and obviously they play cowboys from hell so um i, I, don't I would think- yeah i would i mean i would expect you know um maybe like strength beyond strength um yeah. they even played use my third arm which is kind of like a, a side song but i mean that's like a fucking that's a thrasher. And I'm like, it's, it's kind of cool to see Zach playing heavy shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Like revolution is my name. Um, yep. you know, I'd expect those songs, you know, but, yeah. but I, I would kind of, I would, I would expect them to avoid K 
Cowboys from hell from the for the most part. There's a lot of there's a like you said. There's a lot of falsettos. There's a lot of highs that I don't think Phil can hit anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. So the one thing that actually kind of impressed me, um, and I understand why they chose uh, what the fuck is it, Charlie Benanti. Um, they always considered Don the sixth member of Anthrax because he was on a, on like a couple songs. Yeah, I think it was in the album Stomp Four Four Two. There was a track that he played a solo and did some vocals on that record as well. So, um he's kind of like the closest person because Vinny wasn't like a very friendly person all throughout Pantera's career. Like, um, you don't say, yeah. Yeah. When you read Don's biography and kind of look at all the (laughs) interviews, he wasn't the life of the party, like dime Phil and Rex. Um, he was a little bit more reserved and a little bit more on the business side of things, which is fine. But then once again, now you don't really leave much of a legacy. So, um, I was actually really surprised with how he did. Like he, he captured that big Vinny sound and did you it. ever uh did you ever see Vinny play live? I'm sorry. Yes, I saw Hell Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I saw Hell twice. Yeah too. He man, he's super entertaining as a drummer. I oh, you yeah. would think he, you would think you would have some personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, it, it's probably just, just like the, the close <laughs> friends and I, I much I've better heard... than Lars. It's like it's like it's like I mean, it's like somebody put Lars's personality on, you know, I don't know, um, what's the dude from Dream Theater? Uh, Petru- uh or not Petrucci. Uh, uh, fuck. Yeah, Petrucci. That's what I was saying. No, that's a guitar player. Um, fuck. Who who's the drummer for Dream Theater? I no, it doesn't matter. It, the joke's gone. I <laughs> fucked the joke up. I, I went blank. So there, there we go. Yeah. I mean, that, that's gonna fucking bug. I'll just say Thomas Hawk. You put Lars's personality on Thomas Hawk. There we go. That works. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Like Lars, Lars does have a great personality when drumming, but he's like not the greatest drummer. But I don't know. People hate Lars, but I'm gonna be honest. I've always liked Lars because I felt like he always played to the song. He he's not the best drummer by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I, I tell people this all the time that my drummer now Matt. He's much like a Lars Ulrich, except for I think he's, you know, probably like better. But um don't don't tell him that. Jeez. He, you want the guy to go a, home and commit suicide tonight? You're, he's he's a very you're good. You go knock on his man. door tomorrow and all you hear <laughs> motherfuckers threw a belt over the damn shower rod and just like <laughs> but he, he's a really really good songwriter and that's what i always liked about lars is that and ne- he never just played over the song he played to the song like i, I think about load and reload a lot when i, I talk about this albums. oh listen i'm a blues guy so like if you listen to the outlaw i'm a talk, blues guy too but that was those were horrible albums i just and I what love- the hell was he doing with a snare in saint anger jesus dude shut I- that trash can lid shit up <laughs> if you're if it- not you are not the drummer of helmet you're not a jazz musician shut <laughs> up just stop trying there was a, a band that actually did a full cover of saint anger and they changed the guitar tones and drums and obviously it's not james hetfield singing but it, it it actually sounds really good and i like those songs a lot but like the guitar tones and the drums just sounded so awful like listen to the unnamed feeling and tell me there's not a more just fucking like mean cold kind of song like a real dark james hetfield song it's really fucking good but it's ruined something anything that sleep wrote is meaner and darker okay yeah we're talking about metallica here though right we're talking about mainstream normie shit like today i was listening to orange goblin the way that they do um 
Symptom, not Simpsons of the Universe. Oh, what the fuck is it? Do, 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 do. Into the Void. Into the Void. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Fucking killer. So I'm listening to them. X Hoarder, Black Label, um, Grand Magus, and a couple other like stoner metal bands when I was working out today. Because I, I like had Black Label Society stuck in my head last week. I'm like, you know what? That sounds like the playlist for this week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a that's a hell of a fucking playlist. Yeah. Next week, high on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, so there was like this Facebook video going around where this guitar switched to like the neck pickup, and he just did like this real slow, like this just clear stone riff, and I'm like, that's that set the tone. That set yeah. the fucking tone. Yeah. Have you uh <laughs> have you heard that uh that Pink Floyd cover album that was done, uh Dark Side of the Doom? Oh, no. Oh, dude, you got to check it out, dude. <laughs> it's all Doom bands. It's all Doom metal bands playing Dark Side of the Moon. So fucking good. Oh, wow. the, the sword plays a song on there. Ooh. Oh, man, it's so good. Yeah, you'll you'll dig it. Oh, fucking right. Um, yeah, I've, I've, um, I was supposed to listen to like, a lot of like heavier shit recently. Um, Orbit Culture was one band I was listening to a lot. Revocation. A lot of like real technical death metal stuff in theory necroptic i think was one other band and uh i don't know just like all of a sudden i'm like you know what i kind of got I, I gotta go back to like calmer shit um yeah man um I, i'm i'm gonna go see the pantera reunion we're going to go see metallica and them out in new jersey and cool. this is how i knew my wife was a keeper because um the they were coming you know with lamb of god here mm. in pittsburgh and um a friend of ours had sent us a thing and said, oh, let's go. And I said, oh, well, I'll sell our tickets to the one out in New Jersey, and we'll just go to the one here in Pittsburgh so that we don't have to pay for the hotel and everything. And, I mean, and I she's like, like, we'll go to both. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. I was like, okay. Dude, I, wanna, like, I, would, I would kill to see Randy in, in Philadelphia. Ooh. Just because I want to hear him say Philadelphia. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've seen them in Pittsburgh. Jesus Christ, probably five times. So this is gonna be like my seventh time seeing Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, I've seen Lamb of God a lot. I've seen Trivium, I think nine times. Metallica twice. Uh, Megadeth three or four times. Jesus Christ! Surprise, I surprise! Line. I'm not a big Trivium fan. Yeah, nah, it is what it is. I don't I don't really like their harmonies so much. Like to me, like Shadows Fall was a better version of what Trivium was trying to be. Yeah. Well, you know what's sad is that them and God forbid were like the two OG. I like God forbid a lot. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. So um, they were like the two OG bands because like they were around way before Trivium and a lot of like the other bigger bands, even like all that remains. And I love all that remains. I love all these guys, but like. They were around before, and they didn't make it to the same level that like Killswitch Engage, All That Remains, and Trivium did. I, I completely forgot yeah. I was wearing a Trivium shirt, but yeah, like they never got the credit, and they absolutely deserve every bit of it because you know who took Trivium on their first fucking tour? God forbid, and who yeah. broke up? God forbid. So that's they got why, back like, together. They're doing shows, but it's not with like the original lineup. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So like they instead of uh, it being da Doc and Dallas, it's uh, Dallas or I'm sorry, Doc and um, Nikipa from As I Lay Dying. Oh, so okay. like they, it's it's still cool, but um, they never got the fucking credit for it. That's fucking bullshit. I just so, I, yeah, I, I just remembered seeing something a while back that they were touring again, and I was like, oh, that's awesome because yeah. my wife my wife like literally cried when God forbid broke up. Oh my god, uh, it broke her heart. 
Hill or they were so fucking good. She the first uh the first big festival she went to in England, um, was it uh Grass Pop? She oh, saw she my saw them God. there. Yeah. I, I like look at those videos of Grass Pop and um all those other festivals over in Europe. I'm like, dude, those just she's been to a couple of them. I, I'd awesome. have to get her to come tell you which ones they were, but she's been to a couple of them. Yeah. Because she lived in London for a force. couple of years. Yeah. She didn't I don't think she went to Bloodstock. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, I'd have to ask her. She she could tell me which ones they were. So like uh, she went to of- one in France. Um uh, which one's in France? I can't remember. Um she went to one in France. She went oh, to the one in sure. England. And uh I'm I'm thinking she went to that one that's in Berlin too. I can't remember all the names off the top but, of my head. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. She's been to quite a few of them. And um Remember the the episode we did with you and the guy from South Africa, Carlos, that musician oh, from yeah. South Africa. Like he go he goes every year he goes to England and goes to Grass Pop. Oh man. Yeah. I that would be like the coolest shit in the world. So like a lot of people rip on bad wolves, and I get it, but like understand those dudes in that band have been grinding for years. Like Doc played in God Forbid, Tommy Vex played in Divine Heresy, Vex Snot. Um John Berklin played in Devil Driver, and I think he was in some other bands too. And some of those other guys were like uh, Chris Kane, the other original guitar player. He was in Bury Your Dead at one point. Like these guys are fucking veterans for metal. So look, every bit of success that Bad Wolves got, absolutely fucking deserved it because those dudes worked their asses off for fucking years and got nothing until they made Bad Wolves. So I think uh, I'm not making any promises, but I think from what I understand, when Devil Driver does come through. And hit uh, shoes. <laughs> they're gonna come crash at our place. Oh, uh, no shit. Yeah, so yeah, so uh Beatrix is gonna be cooking for for all of them. They're gonna come hang out and we're gonna we're gonna bullshit. We'll get VIPs and all that good shit, from what I understand. Dude, like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, because you know, she's always talking to Jonathan, like her, they're really good friends. Yeah. So yeah, they you know, like she was always a big double driver fan, and um <laughs> she was friends with him on Facebook. <clears throat> And um, I don't know, one day, like, it was after he left Devil Driver, she got into a conversation with his mom, mm-hmm. and they were just bullshitting on Facebook, and then, like, next, like the next thing she knew, like, Jonathan Miller was, like, messaging her, and was like, hey, man, thanks for talking to my mom, blah, 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 blah and they just became <laughs> really good friends. So, yeah, like, so th- they're supposed to come down. We're supposed to go up to Maine and hang out with him at some point, but... I don't know. Um, I don't know if rejoining Devil Driver has changed that. If he's going to be moving back out to California or what's going on? Yeah. So I don't know. But I'm stoked that he's going back. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it in- improves like o- upon their what they've been releasing. Their last album wasn't that great. Yeah, there's that dealing with demons. I think it was. I, I I've listened to it a bunch of times, but I can't say there was anything real memorable. Um, that trust no one was there were some good tracks like uh, i like trust no one trust no one's a good yeah, one yeah i i, yeah. I like most I, I can't really remember too many off that i'm thinking of the one not uh my night i think it's my night sky i really like that song um i did really like winter kills i know you and i kind of butted heads about this before, i, didn't, I, I don't that. i didn't like their cover of sale to me that just ruined the album for me All right, everybody, we're going to take a little break from the show real quick to tell you about the show's sponsors. I am now working with the great Stephen Fox to bring you 
Fox and Sons coffee. As you can see, I got two bags right here, or for those listening, I was holding two bags. Um, it is organically roasted up in Michigan. And if you're a caffeine addict, much like myself, um, then head over to foxandsonscoffee.com to get yourself some of their fantastic coffee. They got a light roast, which I'm holding in my hand. Um, they have the electric boogaloo blend, which is fantastic as well. I just had it this morning. And if you're like me, you like dark roast coffee, which kicks you right in the freaking face first thing in the morning. Um, they have that for you as well. So head over to foxandsonscoffee.com. Use code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, to get yourself a little discount. Let them know that I sent you. And um, get yourself caffeinated, get jacked and tan, and do what you got to do. All right, guys, back to the podcast. Thanks. And okay. I, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was like... It's like I told Beatrix, if 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 a new band released Winter Kills, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's a that's a good album. Mm -hmm. But it's double driver. Right. right. And so like there are expectations that you're you're you know that you, you get involved in. And so yeah, I can't remember the one I like so much. It's the one with the owl on the front. I can I oh, can see pray for villains. Yeah, pray for villains is my favorite. Oh my god. That's like Putting on Pray for Villains, I could probably deadlift 600 pounds. Like, that is like, most, <laughs> that's such that's a great album. Fucking amps me up. That and pure sincerity, like how they have that little da na 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 na, and then it kicks into the fucking double bass and the riff. Yeah. I just feel like I could fucking like throw a dumpster through a wall. I, yeah. that whole album is fucking genius. And that was the first album that got me into them because I think I remember hearing, um, I've been sober. I'm like, wow. And then another night in London, and that's yeah. another one of those songs that you just want to like fucking flip a table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's um, oh, what's what's the one that Beatrix likes so much? Oh shit! Forgiveness I mean, is a six gun. No, 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 no. Uh, it's another album. It, it's oh, her the last kind album. words. Yeah, or is it the fury it. of our maker hand or the fury of our maker's hand? No, it's last kind words because okay. that's that's the one with um. How was the name of that song? Head on to heartache. Uh, clouds over California. Uh, oh, hold on. Let me the just horn of, the horn of betrayal. That's it. Horn of okay. betrayal. That's yeah, the one she likes so much. She loves that song. Yeah, the monsters of the deep. I think it, th that's the last track on that album, and it just has this nasty bass line, and then it goes in this real fucking heavy. Yeah. Oh my god. It's a great album. Yeah. Both those albums are just fucking solid front to back. And I remember watching their documentary. I think when they were making beast either that or came out like right after pray for villains i can't remember when this documentary was and i remember des saying i'm proud of every single note on pray for villains and i'm like i like pray for villains in the last kind words you won't find a bad track on either one of those albums absolutely right. love yeah. both of those and they did that cover of uh wasted years which is actually pretty good too yeah they did a really good job on that cover yeah. my, my favorite song by them is it's in the cards which was a it's a bonus track on Pray for Villains. Yep. So you have to buy the the extended version. But yeah. I love that fucking I, I'm like talking about I get goosebumps. I love that song. Like it's yeah. like I don't know what it is about that song that just it just something it just digs deep at me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does kind of like that dirty, almost like bluesy jazz kind of feel to it throughout the verses i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about yeah um, i, I just love that song it's, it's such a good song it's kind of like um um have you ever heard uh zach wilde's cover of wider shade of pale oh love Jesus that song. <laughs> it brings tears to my eyes yeah i'm like i don't even know what you're singing about but mm -hmm. this is so gorgeous 
Like, yeah. did you ever hear him do? Um, so if you listen to The Last Goodbye on the Concrete Jungle, which is their album in 2008, I think it was the only one they put out with Roadrunner. Um, mm-hmm. it was a decent album, but like The Last Goodbye on that is like okay. But when we get off this call, I don't know if you listen to it, um, look up The Last Goodbye by Zach Wilde and okay. like just him do it on piano. That is like one of the most beautiful fucking things you'll ever Oh it's man, so speaking good. of that. In this river at Dimebag's yeah. funeral. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah, you can't like not cry at that. I don't care. Yeah. If you know those two, and seeing that live is like one of the coolest things in the world, just because it's like that moment of camaraderie. And it's so funny to me because there's some boomer people that I work with that say, Oh, all these metal concerts, people are so angry and stuff like that. I'm like, listen, if you go to a concert, it's like meeting people that you like family that you never even knew you had because everybody there should be so kind and like go observe metal concert when zach sits down with a piano to play in this river and tell me all those people aren't sharing like a moment yeah yeah well people think that that metal is just like heavy guitars and screaming and there there are bands that kind of like transcend that idea yeah there's still it's still heavy mm-hmm. but how is it heavy right? right it's like it's like trying to find freedom like how are you trying to find freedom mm-hmm. like and where do you find that and and what's the what's the real definition of freedom and what does it mean like it is your is your idea of freedom like hedonistic and then you're a slave to your passions mm-hmm. well that is that freedom because you you're addicted to heroin or you're a sex addict or whatever. Are you really free? Like, what are you looking? What is freedom? What what does that mean? And so it's kind of like that with metal. It's like, there's this transcendence. Like, it's like, what does it mean to be metal? Like, what is it about? And I don't think people understand the, the emotive like nature of that music, you know? And it it's kind of being metal. It, my buddy, uh, actually, I, I need to get in touch with him. I'm supposed to do a podcast with him here in the next couple of weeks. So I have a friend of mine who runs a a, a website has for years called Metal Motivation. His name's CJ Ortiz, hmm. and uh, yeah, he's like really good friends with like Rex Brown and and some of these guys. Oh no shit, cool. Yeah, and uh, so what what he what he's done is he's turned like the metal mentality into a life coaching strategy you would you would actually really enjoy like talking to him cuz he's into like um health and fitness and stuff like that oh, as well yeah yeah I'll check him out yeah i'll i'll send you some of his videos but he just did this one at the beginning of the year and i want to i want to get him on to talk about it mm-hmm. and it's this video series he does like um it's like Monday, he'll release like a nine minute video. Tuesday, it's a 10 minute video. And, and it's like, like these nine to 12 minute videos, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And it's a theme for the week. And it was like the first week of the year, the theme was sacred duty. And it's talking about your sacred duty to yourself and not living in nihilism, you know, not becoming a nihilist and, and being true to yourself. And I, I like loved it. I was like, Hey dude. Like, I want to get you on to talk about this. And he was like, hell yeah, we're going to have to do it. Um, He said he was booked up until February. So I got to get in touch with him here in the next few days. But yeah, so, but he's a good dude. 
um, I'll hook you up with them after, uh, whenever I get back in touch with them, I'll, I'll make sure that you get in touch with them. No, that's a, uh, a beautiful concept. I'm trying to find a picture here that would just describe what, Oh, I can't believe I can't fucking find it. Um, it was basically just dime saying about how like, Oh fuck. I wish I could remember, but he said, you know, metal is what drives him or something like that. And I don't know, man, it, you laid it out perfectly is that there are different kinds of heavy because the heavy that you feel from in this river is going to be different than the heavy that you feel from something like white chapel or even the heavy that you feel from sleep or from super joint ritual. Or from yeah. Like Pantera. November, November's doom, you know, yeah. like that type of, like there's different stuff going on. It's the heavy is the mentality. Right. right. And it's like what I was talking to you about earlier about, I don't give a fuck what your excuses are. Mm-hmm. Like you have a responsibility. Yeah. Like who cares? That's what metal's about. It's like, oh well, shit happens, man up, move on. And it's the music that motivates you to man up and move on. That's why I hate what makes hate breeds so great, right? Because their their music's so motivational, it's so uplifting. You got right? Jamie Josta fucking screaming in your face and yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Born to bleed. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's never, it's never like a down moment with uh, that either. And I think you and I shot the shit about this before, but yeah, Jamie Johnson does seem kind of like a uplifting, positive kind of dude. I think he even wrote a song. I might be wrong about this, but I believe there's a song called "Conceived by Act of Violence," and I believe it's because he was actually conceived through a rape. And yeah. he spoke about that in that specific song. Yeah, but I mean, just think it. Like, in Ashes They Shall Reap, man, is so fucking motivating. Yeah. Like, makes you want to run through a fucking wall. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. I'm born to bleed, fighting to succeed, built to endure what the world throws at me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's shit you can do to me. Like, whatever, yeah. bitch. Yeah, like, you know what? Like, but you got to have that attitude. And like, where do you get that attitude from? Like, that's what metal is. That's, that's mm-hmm. metal. Like the metal's not the, yeah, the music's heavy, blah, blah, blah. But, it, but there's something more to it. Right. right? It, there's this deeper level. Like we're talking in, in levels here. Mm-hmm. Some people only hear Randy screaming, yeah. but, but then if you dig into what he's talking about, you're like, oh yeah. That's some deep shit. Yeah, he's yeah. a really fucking good songwriter too. Yeah, he's a very good songwriter. Yeah. Did you, you know? ever uh, look up the lyrics to Contractor? I don't know. Okay, it's off there. Uh, they're um, off two thousand or off of uh, Wrath. Um, I'm, that was that was like the first album I think I bought off of La- or from Lamb of God, and just that whole um, front to back is a fucking masterpiece. Same with Sacrament. Um, I just fucking love both those albums front to back. But uh, I, I'll never forget when I saw Hatebreed. Um, they open up with To the Threshold. And to this day, there is like, that's just one of those songs that just fucking hypes me up because I'll never forget them coming out. And then just yeah. fucking go. Yeah. Well, and that's why like one of the first was the first song I mentioned by Pantera that they would probably play live. Strength Beyond Strength. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's just in your face. Domination. Oh, yeah. Domination is my favorite Pantera song, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, no, you're not going to stop me. I'm just going to keep moving. I'm just going to keep doing it. Then you punch me. It's it's like that. that oh, Cataclysm does this thing, man. In one of their songs, what song is it? Where they take that uh, scene from Rocky five, where he's talking to his son. He said, it's not, not about how many, how hard you can hit. It's about how many times you can get hit and keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's that attitude. It's more of an attitude than it is a sound. Mm-hmm. And like, like I can listen to like 
like let's say uh like Allison Chains, where people consider them grunge. I consider them metal. Yeah, like, there's this attitude. Like oh, there's Lane Staley is like the heaviest vocalist in his writing ever. I mean, that is dark shit. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> a buddy of mine that I used to play in a band with, he said, you know, I knew I never wanted to do heroin because I listened to too much Alice in Chains. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Back when I used to write poetry all the time when I was younger, my dad would, I would every once in a while, I'd let my dad like check it out, and he'd be like, "Yeah, you listen to way too much Allison Chains. <laughs> <laughs> like, your shit is depressing, man. What the hell are you talking about? Like, you're you're a middle class white kid in suburban Katy, Texas, outside of Houston. <laughs> like, you, like well, you don't know nothing about darkness, <laughs> you know? But it was like, but it was just like there was that that ability to get in touch with like innermost things that you felt and, yeah. and really like dialogue with that. And mm -hmm. there's not a lot of music that does that, you know? And, yeah. and so like the music I'm attracted to is like that. It's very much like, whether it be like Stevie Ray Vaughan and his guitar playing mm -hmm. will make you feel things you've never felt before in your life, yeah. you know? Or Lane Staley's, you know, lyrics, like you're like, what? Or even a uh, tool, you know, manner, like he, he does some crazy stuff with vocals, you know, and, and lyrics and you're like, oh crap, you know? It, so yeah, it's just, it's about that, that, that there's just levels to getting, to pulling these things out of you. And it's, it's more about building strength than it is about you know expressing the emotions and i don't think people understand that especially people that you know like just hear it and, oh it sounds like a bunch of screaming mm -hmm. you know, yeah you're, you're not going to get it and some of it is yeah. like, you know old school guys you know have been around for a while a lot of times we can pull pick out like oh this yeah this is crap and this is trash. This is good. You know, I know what this guy's about. I can tell this dude's all about, he's a grifter. He's just trying to make money, you know, mm -hmm. like, like when Villanella Ice did metal, we knew that it wasn't real, you know? <laughs> uh, one, one thing that uh, kind of popped up in my brain, I, um, seeing the video, I want to say it was grass pop 1996 of Sepultura playing attitude. You want to talk about something that just hits you on a fucking different level is fucking roots. Just like that tribal fucking mouth. And it wasn't it's like this beautiful. Was, yeah. It wasn't like it was really like difficult songs or any like, Holy shit. This is a masterpiece, but like, like a musically, but just like the way they developed the whole song and like, the <laughs> theme of the album was just so fucking it's encapsulating like it, it I, talked to something inside you yes. that was like <laughs> that you didn't know existed you were yeah. like what is that i'm feeling there yeah. <laughs> what is this that's happening to me you know and then you come running out war paint and you know throwing spears at neighbors and uh, just fucking murdered a tiger or something <laughs> yeah yeah just just <laughs> listening to them play attitude in just the drum dun, 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 shaking the whole fucking stadium there's just there's nothing like that like i get chills just fucking thinking about it but i'll never forget watching that and i still watch it every here and there and listen to that album like if i really need a boost like rodham hada roots um cutthroat spit just that whole album front to back just hit this nasty great album. vibe yeah and and the, and, the, and what um uh, what max cavalera um uh, I mean, did 
I mean, you had Soulfly, you had Sepultura, you had Cavalera Conspiracy, and now you have Killer Be Killed, which is just incredible. Yeah, I love Killer Be Killed. Meeting of the fucking minds. Yeah, no doubt. You cannot find two more unique singers because Troy, you can, and it's funny because three because you got what's his name from uh, the the Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah. So like. I, I can't think of his name, Brian. Greg, I think no, Greg Pusciato. There you go. Um, so like Troy doesn't sing the way that he sings in Killer Be Killed in Macedon, at least not very often. Like mm. he really has like that bellow, like that just oh, it's so fucking awesome. He's one of my favorite singers. And then Greg Pusciato has this ridiculous range, and Max is kind of a you know a, a, a dummy when He's it comes Max. to writing songs, but like he still compliments the songs. Like he. Mm. They all, I don't know how they have that perfect chemistry because you would never thought like those three guys. Would what was have that, that first perfect... single that came out that was so good? Was Wings it? of Feather and Wax. Wings, yes. Yeah. Jeez, I could listen to that song for hours. Yeah. I just play it on repeat. I love that freaking song. Yeah. That whole first album, same deal, solid front. The only song I think I didn't like was uh, Forbidden Fire. And not that I like hated it, but it just didn't do anything for me every other song in that album loved like fire to your flag that's one of like the most punk and threat like probably one of my favorite like punky thrashy kind of songs did you uh have you did, i think you told me you heard of uh heard the project that jamie Josta did with kurt Winstead. Uh, oh kingdom, kingdom of, of sorrow. sorrow nasty love Dude, it. Was so that second <laughs> album was so good yeah um what was it uh from heroes to dust enough uh Behind the Blackest Tears. That was the second album, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. But the song from Heroes to Dust. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking Jeez, about. Jeez, when when Kirk is just wailing, you're just like, oh my gosh. Like even Jamie Josta, I heard him do an interview about the that song, and he was like, Yeah, I was supposed to sing, but Kirk did such a great job. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, so such a so good I've song. been getting yeah, I've been getting into Crowbar too. I forgot to mention earlier that I was listening to them. And no, like, Crowbar's just yeah, brilliant. I'm like, I'm like kicking myself in the ass because I'm like, this is just like so beautifully like doomy and angry. I just yeah. fucking love it. Like planets collide. And um what was the, oh, I can't remember the one song. Not symmetry in black. Um, it was off their 2014 album, but I remember it just oh, my will not be broken. Oh my god. Oh yeah, he got really like, real kind of like I think after spending enough time with Jamie Josta, he started like <laughs> kind of like motivational kind of stuff. Yeah, like because he did like oh what was the name of that album? Man, it was such a cool cover too. Um, shit, I can't remember, but it was the album that came out right around 2014. It was like green and white and with like shades of yellow man i can't remember the name of the album Hold up real quick yeah um i i don't think I, I think i had the chance to see them but i never saw them i saw them we, we got kicked out of that show i saw <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the story it's, it's fucking insanity so we go up to austin in 2019 sever the wicked right? hand Sever the Wicked Head. yes it's such yeah. a good album um but uh so we go up to austin 2019 um crowbar is playing with corrosion of conformity and i'm like fuck yes you know like two of the members of down in their former bands i'm like yes i'm doing this i'm going and um i mean they had some 
great bands open for him. Uh, Lopan opened for him. That's how I found out about Lopan. Um, so we show up. <laughs> First thing we do is we go over to Crowbar's table. We buy shirts, right? So Beatrix is trying on a shirt. And um, and she's like, yeah, I want to get this one. And then so we got her a Crowbar shirt. And as she's pulling it off, her other shirt comes off with it. Well, so Kirk and his wife are sitting right there and we're bullshitting with them. Cause I had met Kirk in new Orleans before. So we're all, we're all bullshitting and Kirk's wife is like, Oh yeah, baby, take it off. And like having a good time with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Oh yeah, fuck. You know? So we're chilling. And so Beatrix puts her shirt back on. We go grab a shirt from a low pan table and we go and uh, start listening to the show. So <laughs> the whole low pan is, is, basically a three-piece it's really four members but the uh but the vocalist um no let me see well yeah it's four members but the vocalist is playing um lead guitar and 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 rhythm and their other guitarist is kind of in and out he doesn't really play constant it's basically a three-piece and um their drummer, like they don't set the drummer up in the back. They set him up on the side. So you got the drummer here, the vocalist here, yeah. the bass player here, and then you have the other guitarist kind of set back, right? And uh, well, so we're standing off to the right. So the we're like kind of cat quarter from the drummer. We're like, that's the closest one to us. Well, he caught glimpse of Beatrix and he just gets an instant crush. Like, couldn't take his eyes off of her. Just staring at her the whole fucking time he's playing, which I thought was hilarious. We're cracking up. So they finish, and they they get off stage, and she's looking at me. She's like, I'm hot. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, uh, what do you want to do? Like, you're in a tank top. She's like, I'm going to take my shirt off. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Like, the bartender's over there. She had a tank top on that was cut down to her waist. And her tit was just hanging out. So I was like, fuck it. They're like the bartender's got her tit hanging out. Take your shirt off. Who fucking cares? We're in a bar in Austin. Like nobody cares. Yeah. So Crowbar takes stage. They play. Then Corrosion comes on stage. They get about halfway through their set. And then the, uh, the bouncer comes over and tells, tells Beatrix, she either has to put her shirt on or we have to leave. And I'm like, there's like 15 minutes left of the show. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? She's been sitting, and I started getting mad at him, and I'm cussing him out, and blah, blah, blah. And he's talking shit about her. And I'm like, you motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. And so, like, he basically was like, y'all just need to go. And so we just left. I was like, fuck it. All right, fine. You know? And so we left. It was just like the craziest thing. It's like, we got kicked out of a club in Austin for my wife showing her tits <laughs> in one of the most hedonistic cities in the United States. <laughs> It was like the weirdest <laughs> thing at a metal show of all places. Yeah, Jesus you know? Christ. You think they'd be happy to have it not be such a fucking sausage fest. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. It was, oh, it was just God. so weird. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll be here talking about heavy metal all night. Anyways, I know you wanted to uh, do something. I know you had to hang your clothes up so you can go to work. Tomorrow. Yeah, I got to dry them. I haven't dried them. There I, you go. I put them on. The, I put them on to wash at six thirty this morning, and then I forgot about them, so I got to go dry them. Ah, I might have to right. wash them again. They might be moldy by the time I get to them. Oh, we'll <laughs> find you, dude. 
Uh, year zero at the Libertarian Institute. That's libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash or tommysalmons.com is where you can find my sub stack. And that's pretty much it. So after after this long talk, they're probably tired of hearing of me. The, so <laughs> no, all right, we've heard, we've heard enough of this redneck. Get him out of there. <laughs> uh, no, that's all right. Um, if, if they ever met my dad, and if you ever met my dad, I think you guys would get along <laughs> great. And I think uh, all the listeners, if they knew my dad, they they, they would get it. Um, but yeah, man, if you got anything else, we'll close her out, brother. No, that's it, man. We're just uh we're doing the ESG this week uh, for paid subscribers uh, at my Substack on my Patreon. Um, all everything's all the links are in the show notes. YouTube, Rumble, all that in show notes. You can you can find me. So yeah. Well, rock and roll, man. It was a blast. All right, dude. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.